The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. There is a lot of starship porn this week. But beside that, we catch up with our characters from last season and we see what's transpired since we last saw them. So sit back, relax, and get your favorite drink from the 10 Forward Avenue Bar. I'm Mike Bovia, and this is Discovering Trek Picard. joining us on discovering trek the star trek universe companion presented by fansets i think it's safe to say that a lot of people were blown away by what we experienced this week during the premiere of season two so instead of teasing and waxing poetic here i think it's more important that we catch up with our crew first so that we can break it all down So three quarters of the sci-fi sisters set sail on the Star Trek cruise this week, but someone had to stay behind to man the helm of the mothership. Now, fortunately for us, her duties allow her to join us tonight. Hello to Mia. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing fantastic. It's Uh, good to be here. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to talking about all of this. It was uh, the premiere was pretty rocking. I can't wait to get into this. I have so much to say. Yeah, that's great. So our next co-host has hopefully recovered from chaperoning high schoolers in the easiest place in the world to do so, New Orleans. Uh, Mike Thurlow, uh, is next year's trip to Vegas with all of these kids? I mean, who chose that place? I don't know, but uh, that's not a bad idea. Las Vegas would be interesting. Uh, I don't know if I want to go with 15 kids, though. Uh, and I especially miss being able to drink at Mardi Gras. Mm. Uh, we did see some parades, so I was definitely missing uh, some alcohol to get me through. But uh, we left with 15 kids. We came back with 15 kids. I feel pretty accomplished. Were they the same 15 kids? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Awesome. And of course, our our last co-host, the man who wishes that he could be the love child of Picard and Laris, Jamie Rogers. And wow. I know that's true. Wow. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. How well, do that's I, an how amazing do I introduction. Wow. Yeah. On to that. You know, I almost didn't even realize that we were doing a podcast on Picard because I was having so much fun um, <laughs> in our pre-discussions about hot wieners and Rhode Island and Dell's Lemonade that I almost forgot that we were talking about Star Trek Picard. <laughs> but now, if you'd like to follow this show on social media, you can find us at Discovering Trek, or you can join the conversation on Camp Kittimer. Just answer a few simple questions, and our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, will let you in. 
And here's your friendly reminder that this episode of Discovering Trek provides spoilers for the Picard episode, The Stargazer. If you have not watched yet, head over to Paramount Plus and watch the episode and then head back to listen to us. Failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers. Okay, so we're ready to dig into episode 201 of Star Trek Picard, The Stargazer, which aired March 3rd of 2022. It was written by Akiva Goldsman and Terry Metalis and directed by Doug Arniakoski. Oh my gosh, I was so nervous. I got it. I made it through. <laughs> His name. That's staying uh, so, in. Yeah. <laughs> it better, right? right episode, episode over. We're done. We're good. <laughs> so in the Stargazer, on this episode, Starfleet must once again call on legendary Jean-Luc Picard after members of his former crew, Cristobal Rios, Seven of Nine, Rafi Musiker, and Dr. Agnes Girati discover an anomaly in space that threatens the galaxy. Because it always does. There's always <laughs> something that's threatening the galaxy. Except this time, Enterprise is not the only ship in the sector to handle it. So <laughs> I know we I know we all have some strong opinions about uh, this first episode. So let's go around. Thumbs up or thumbs down and why. So, uh, Jamie, I know uh, we'll, we'll let you... Uh, give your thoughts on it first uh thumbs up or thumbs down for you um i i definitely think it's a thumbs up i think it's a very strong start to the season um I, i'm totally dumbfounded as to what's gonna happen like i i i just had my mouth agape watching this episode especially as we got to the end um where it's gonna go from here is looks absolutely amazing but i thought very action-packed you know, I, I I wasn't a big fan of the introduction, uh, and and I know it was, I know it was really action packed, and obviously we kind of tied into it later on, um, but I just I, I just think it was a great, other than the introduction, a great opening sequence, um, opening episode. Mm. Agreed. Mike, you want to jump in? Yeah, sure. I'll, I give it two big thumbs up. I uh, it really enjoyed it. I watched it again right before well, this afternoon, and uh, I I loved it again. Even saw some some more great things about it. I will agree with Jamie. It started off a little slow, and I was a little worried at the beginning, uh, but it sort of ramped up quickly. And uh, yeah, it was a really it was a great adventure. Uh, and. Uh, I'm uh, dumbfounded at, at where we were left and what is going to come next. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Tamia, what did you think? Well, I give it two really enthusiastic, big thumbs up. Um, I really enjoyed it. And like, I didn't feel like it was slow from the beginning. Like I loved the beginning part. I mean, I was just enraptured. Um, uh, I think, it, you know, I, it just felt good to see these characters again, um, you know, and um, that opening sequence was wonderful for me because it was a little 
felt familiar, you know, it was a familiar mm. setting. And uh, that sort of fell over me like a warm blanket, you know, and and, and eased me right on in. Um, so I just loved, I loved the, uh, the, the whole first episode. I, re- I really loved everything about it. There's a lot, mm. that, well, I'll say there's a lot that I loved about it. Maybe not everything, but yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, really I, strong. Yeah, I have to agree with all of you guys that, you know, two big thumbs up for me as well. Uh, I'll tell you the thing that appealed to me most about this was the fact that um, we catch up literally with each of the characters progressively throughout the episode to see, you know, what's happened between the end of season one and now where we're starting in season two. Uh, And a lot has happened as we find out. So I liked that there was that little roundup where we were able to, you know, what's happening with Girati, what's happened with Picard and Raffi and what's, or what's happened with Raffi and seven uh, together. You know, these were all important things um, that everyone was looking at at the end of the season. You know, there were some unresolved things with, you know, what was going to happen with Girati with the murder of Bruce Maddox. <laughs> um, but then, you know, there was that little glimmer at the end of uh, seven and Raffi. So what was going to happen with that in season two? So I think we got, we got it all spelled out within the first episode to catch us up where everyone is, but also start the story of this season as well. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. So key points that stuck out to us. Um, so uh, on this one, this is going to just be a regular round table. So um, to me, I'll have you start, but uh, as, as you're going, everyone else can chime in with their thoughts as well. Okay, cool. I'm going to um, like, I'm going to go back to the beginning and start with the fate. My first, the first thing was, oh my gosh, we're in a really recognizably Starfleet ship. And um and that was just so good to my eyes. And, um, you know, despite what was going on there, <laughs> I mean, it was pretty rough what was going on. Uh, but, you know, uh, after watching so much, so much other Trek that is um, uh, completely different, it was just felt good to be back in that setting. It was very comfortable. And then I liked how um, I noticed that the intro music was a little bit faster tempo before. And I thought yeah. that was really effective. Um and and probably more befitting for this what's coming down the pike for this season. I would it definitely set the like stage to, really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would definitely like to piggyback on the the opening title sequence because I noticed that the musical tones were much darker and deeper. Um and I think it, it kind of lends to that this is gonna be a darker season. And you know, it just it was darker colors to me in that that opening title sequence for sure. And Jamie, like there was even a, a little musical, like almost callback to mirror universe almost, like yes. in the, yes. in the end. and I was yes. like, that's mirror music right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. No, I was totally enraptured with that opening sequence and how different it was. And it was like like you could tell it was Star Trek Picard, but it was nuanced very differently. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I really picked up on those deeper, darker notes that were used and those deeper, darker tones uh, that was mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It felt more uh, orchestral. Uh, orchestral. 
to go. me you at least, <laughs> you know, I got it. I got it out. Uh, it, it felt, I, I felt a lot of tones of next generation too. And kind of that mm. call back to some, 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 uh, good, uh, Star Trek theme music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did feel too, like there was a lot of, you know, homage being paid to previous mm-hmm. iterations of Trek in this first episode. I mean, obviously there's, you know, some of the real common things like, you know, Guinan and Q mm-hmm. and, but I mean, even, even some of the different ship names, mm-hmm. Karo Sulu, there was reference to the Kobayashi Maru, sorry, well, Randy, right. right. You know, um, well, not only a reference, not only a reference, but the same bottle too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the stargazer, the Grissom, you know, mm-hmm. um, paying homage to star Trek three, uh, the Excelsior, you know, the Excelsior. Right. Yeah. You know, so there was a lot of, I don't want to say Easter eggs, but a lot of little Easter eggs that really paid homage mm-hmm. to some of the previous, the previous shows that I really felt were executed, um, very perfectly and, and done really well. Um, yeah, some things I <laughs> some things I really loved. All right. So uh speaking of paying homage, um, can I just say I, I think today, uh, with yesterday having been the premiere, uh all the Picard Crusher shippers have to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say though, Laris looked absolutely stunning in this first episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Agreed, yeah. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, anyways. But they, they just—I don't know. And I mean, I, I'm assuming it's how they did her hair differently. But she yeah, just maybe. looked absolutely stunning, and well, and it, it just—you know—that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I think that that was going to be one of my uh, key points to, that I was going to bring up was Laris and Picard um, and the, those scenes uh, together. I mean, it's, she could chew the scene, the scenery right with him, you know, uh, and she is just so captivating to watch his, what's her name? Orla, right? Orla Brady. Yep. Orla Brady. Yeah. I mean, she's really captivating and she does so much with her eyes that, mm. um, makes it uh you're just entranced watching her you know fold up a a blanket in the field Mm -hmm. or a jacket you know she makes it look so interesting she's really really wonderful um and um i love the those uh that those intimate moments between the two of Mm -hmm. them it was just i mean i i every time i rewatched it i would hone in on those scenes Mm -hmm. they were really powerful uh and understated and impactful just amazing yeah um i i gotta say when when i first watched it and i saw her name in the opening credits i was like oh man she's gonna be in this more i mean she was like one of the standout side characters from last year like people people liked jaban but all you heard about what uh, people were calling her the momulin because she was she was a little bit older but you know and like you said Jamie the way they the way they made her up this time you didn't get that feel like you could tell she was 
she was a mature woman, like not some, not some 20, 30 something kid, but you know, you weren't thinking grandmother that is going to be hooking up with the almost hundred year old Admiral. No, absolutely not. And you know, it's interesting. I, I really think it was a, deliberate choice to eliminate Jaban out of mm-hmm. the equation. You know I mean? You, if you think about that, you know, he was a character that was liked a lot in season one, but I really think they're, they're trying to develop the writers are really trying to develop this dynamic between Picard and Laris and, and almost, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but almost that this is going to be that character that he longs for throughout the entire season of mm-hmm. how do I get back to her how do i you know she completes me to a certain extent because she really does of of all the characters he's ever had some sort of you know relationship with i mean she really does compliment him in so many ways and she keeps him on his toes you know so i i just wonder if they're really trying to weave that thread throughout the entire show of like you know i've lost her because of what's happened mm-hmm. and how things have gone horribly wrong. And how do I, I get, get her back? Yeah. How do I get her back? Because mm-hmm. now that she's not in my life anymore, there's something missing that I've been missing all these years. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a little thing right here, Jamie. And I'm going to say, this is two podcasts in a row with you that uh, you've dropped or that you would, you or I have dropped the nineties uh, romantic reference you with uh, she, she completes me. <laughs> I had to Jerry Maguire. She does. Uh, she does go toe to toe with Picard and it has a strong personality, but uh, is soft as well. And I really like that. Mm. Uh, but it, you know, the, the first time, so when I watched the premiere, the first time I was not on board with this, it just seemed a little bit awkward to me. And then rewatching it today, I, I don't know, I picked up on some nuances or it was just in a different place, however it was. And, and I really bought it the second time. So I, I'm really excited to see, uh, where this goes and, and. You know, the scene that really gets me that I, I think of right now is uh, when Picard goes off and they like he leaves yeah. and she walks yeah. in and she just stares after the shuttlecraft as it as it takes off and goes away. And I was like, wow, you know, that is um, it's typical. Picard. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Picard. typical her, Picard. Yep. Typical Picard and her expression, the expression on her face was not just like, oh, she wasn't mooning over him. She was pissed. Right. Yep. You know, <laughs> she was really upset. And, uh, you know, and I thought, you know, and she was heartbroken. Yeah. And, and, and I you, think that's you, why I like her so much, because yeah. she was pissed, but also upset. Yeah. And it's funny too. It's like you see him throughout the show and you saw it last season and this season, he is so helpless without her, you know, Mm -hmm. like that episode where he's like, and then we get in the episode where he's trying to find the book and, you know, it's like, she just walks (laughs) right over the shelf and pulls it down for him. And she's keeping him on time because he's late all it's just, it's, it's like he needs her so bad in his life and he knows it. He Mm -hmm. genuinely knows it. And when she's not there, there's definitely a void there. And it's really, 
I think they did a nice job. I agree with you, Mike, where I didn't buy it the first time I watched this episode. I was like, what this, it felt so forced to me, but now that I've watched it two or three times, it it's like, they're really setting up where this show is going to go this season. Yeah. And I, and, and I was, uh, I'm part of that, like crusher ship ship, you know, relationship piece. I was like, <laughs> you know, where, where's crusher? You know, that's, uh, that's one of my big questions, but, uh, yeah, she I, did make I, an uh, appearance in this episode. She did uh, in uh, in the bar. There's a picture of her on the wall. <laughs> it actually said Howard Avenue too. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh no! Yeah, I, it's I not Howard that. Avenue. Yeah, that's some deep eagle eyes right oh. there. Oh, <laughs> oh, now I get it. I, 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 okay, wow. I oh. can't. I can't take credit. That was that was online. I happen to notice it there. That, <laughs> I have uh, my eyes are terrible. <laughs> so. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning. Um, the seven and Rafi relationship. Uh, how how do you guys feel about how it was described here? Well, can I go? Go for it. Round table. All right. So, did anybody listen to the audio drama that they produced? Okay, you did, Mike. Mike yeah. T and Mikey B. We actually all did. <laughs> yeah. Jamie did. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. Cool. I yep. wondered um, if I hadn't listened to that audio drama, how I, well I would have, what my perception of, of this mm-hmm. would have been. I think uh, it, it almost seemed like it would be kind of empty and, and like I would be upset like if I hadn't listened mm-hmm. to that bridge because I'd be like, wait, what? I don't understand, you know, like, I mean, it could, you could, you could take Rafi's statement on, on one level, right. You know, like, well, she makes me want to think, you know, hope for more, you know, she, mm-hmm. she makes me want to have something more and just leave it like, okay, maybe Rafi's at one place, but, you know, reading the, listening to the audio drama fills in a lot more substance to that statement but there was a lot of connections that wouldn't have been made without like why is seven on the la serena you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know these are things that wouldn't be explained without the audio drama right i'll just quickly plug here um look for the divine treasury uh coming soon our interview with kirsten Beyer and mike johnson who wrote no man's land Look nice. at you guys. Wow. Nice. You're yeah. just, you're the master of landing interviews, Mike Bovia. Right. Uh, yeah, it's all uh, him. All him. Uh, don't give me too much credit. I haven't lined up anything for this show yet. <laughs> you know, I, on a different, on a different note, um, Soji, you know, and I feel like we haven't talked about Soji mm. or, or covered. I, I don't know how anyone else feels, but I almost feel she's kind of out of place in this first episode. And Mm. I, and I, and I almost feel like I'm really wondering how they're going to shoehorn her into the season almost. Maybe I'm way out in left field on this, but I just, I just feel like her character, it it just, it's, it's lost in this first episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like her character is lost period after that first season. What do we need her for? (laughs) 
right. like, and no, I'm exactly. not trying to, exactly. I'm not trying to be harsh, but you know, like I really feel like I, her story was done. Now she's gone off with her sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't know how they were going to try to fit her in this season at all. Well, that's the thing is like, I almost feel like her scene and her sequence was forced, you know, like it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, mm-hmm. let's, let's do our random Soji drop. Right, right. In we're trying here. to catch everybody yep. up. So yep, we're trying to catch everybody up and, and we're going to make it where, you know, Agnes is in the same area that she is. So we, we can kind of have a connection to Soji, but I just, to me, I didn't like that. And I just feel like, you know, maybe she shouldn't be in this season. I, I don't know, but it just, that sequence felt forced to me. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, I think, oh, sorry, God. I was just going to say, I, I kind of feel like um, her position, I, one of you guys said it, uh, where she's just off with her synths. Um, I, I kind of feel like she's almost become an ambassador of sorts for the synths to everybody right. else. Right. Um, that, that seemed like kind of the position that she was taking on there uh, with that Delton party that she had. Exactly. And that's what they sort of alluding to. Sorry, mm-hmm. Mike. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, that's the, the piece that I liked about that was we learn about Girardi and kind of where she's come uh, without, you know, in a situation that isn't um, forced, kind of like on Discovery. Sometimes that information is kind of dropped in in, in, in like weird places. Uh, you know, the, the details about the secondary bridge crew and how they share these things in the middle of crises. And like, uh, whereas uh, here, Girardi is actually being hit on and she kind of gives the catch up story. But also for Soji, I, you know, I think it's great to hear that, you know, you, you get the, the catch up as well, that the Federation has gotten rid of the ban on since uh so we, we see that progress that's happened through, you know, you kind of see the, not the fallout, but the, the benefits or the, the, what's, what happened at the end of the season last year, what we've seen, we've seen growth, we've seen changes. And I think that that's sort of what this scene with Soji and, and Girardi kind of bring together. It also mm-hmm. kind of brings together a little bit about her relationship with Chris and where that's at. Mm. Uh, so it's, you know, and I, I, I think it's just done really well in this situation versus discovery, which I, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of how they drop in information like this and an info dump essentially to kind of catch mm-hmm. up the audience or, or give some more character perspective. And, mm-hmm. and what's weird though, is like, I'm really struggling to figure out like the time frame after season one. I don't know if anybody else is, is struggling as well, but like, I feel like it's almost in the three to five year range, but, you know, and, and reason being, it's like, you know, Zerban's been dead for a year and a half, mm-hmm. right? Rafi's back in Starfleet. Rios is back in Starfleet as a captain, right? Elnor's in graduating the from yep. the academy. Like all that stuff couldn't have happened overnight. But yet, when you hear it's only been a year since the ban on the synths was lifted. Yeah, so, I kind of figured it was it's we're in like 2401 or 20 early 2402 based upon yeah. Jaban's death and um and also that that data about uh the synth uh being lifted 
shifted. So we're, we're somewhere in that time frame. I don't think it, it didn't feel like three to five years for me. It felt more like 18 to, to two years, somewhere in that range, more like. I know the vintage, I know the vintage on the Chateau Picard at the beginning was 20, 2401, I think. Um, at some point you can see it on the crates that it, that it's stamped into the crate. I did not see it on the label when they did that, that very cool, uh, printing of the label there while he's that holding was cool. it. But, yeah. Somebody yeah, even online, the, even the, the beaming of the grapes too. Was, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was so cool too. Like that's how they cultivate it. You know, somebody online commented about the label today and said, uh, you know, even even in the 25th century, Adobe is, has uh, Photoshop going on and they're still charging <laughs> a fee monthly for it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we mentioned Rios. A uh, couple things that I noticed about him. Uh, first of all, we and obviously it comes with the territory of him now being a Starfleet captain, but far more diplomatic sounding than he was last year. But at the same time, uh, he still was the Rios that we know and love because he's on a Starfleet bridge with a cigar, man. Uh, I was loving that detail. Starfleet Rios, though. Oh, my gosh. I was so I was I want my real Rios back. (laughs) (laughs) I want the old Rios back. Starfleet Rios was kind of boring. He had his cigar and it was always had brought tension because mm. he was just, he did that so well. Like he was just close to lighting it. Mm. And he was like, psych, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to light it. But yeah, I did like um, um, hologram Rios. Yeah. And um, I loved hearing techno babble in Spanish, which was really cool. Cause I don't <laughs> often get a chance to hear, to hear that. So that was awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, and that that, uh, that is a culmination of all five. So seven merged all of all five of the EMH or the hologram programs into one. So it's kind of like you can't take the therapeutic side out of the uh, you know crazy <laughs> mechanic side or whatever. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so I actually did really like oh. Rios though in this this uh, oh. part of. Sorry, Mike. No, that's okay. Uh, I re- I actually really did like this Rios. I mean, I, I loved him in season one. He was a little bit more rough around the edges, but I feel like um, he's kind of suave. He's kind of, uh, you know, like for, you know, he's he's chilled out a little bit and and feels very at home on, on the bridge of the Stargazer. And uh, talk about the beat. I mean, the Stargazer looks amazing. Yeah, how about uh, it's that Stargazer? Yeah. Did, did you guys have a beautiful ship? Did you happen to notice the extra eight at the beginning of the register? Yes. Too? Yeah. Yep. That was the first thing I noticed, actually, that they kept the original. They just popped an eight in front of it. And yep. it was verified later at Starfleet Academy. But mm-hmm. I was like, that that looks that number looks right. And uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful ship, beautiful bridge. Not so sure about the steps. There's a lot of steps on that bridge. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's still a beautiful bridge. Uh, I would even say it's a la, you know, when they the first creation of the Enterprise Bridge for Season 2 Discovery. Like mm-hmm. that level. I, mm-hmm. I know that they've changed it a little bit for Strange New Worlds. But uh, that kind of level of detail and beauty uh, 
it just looks great and uh the the corridors looked great as well and, yeah. and can i say it's nice to see a crew uh you know this is one thing that i kind of comment Not just on, six on. or seven people yeah right. yeah yeah it's uh actually johnson and i recorded uh, a couple nights ago and you know it's so nice to see a crew on board. And I think it really is the difference between filming in LA and filming in Toronto and kind of mm -hmm. the COVID protocols that are associated with each uh, country. But uh, it felt so much fuller. It felt more real to me um, as a starship anyway. Uh, and uh, it just looks amazing. I mean, it, it looks beautiful. Uh, so kudos to the team that built that and and did all that because it is phenomenal. And I would, um, you know, a lot in our preview episode, I did say I would follow Jean-Luc Picard anywhere. I will actually follow uh, Cristobal Rios uh, and uh, serve on the Stargazer anytime. Can I please go back to Rios? And I agree with you, Mike, like he is more chilled out. I'm sorry, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> he is more chilled out. But uh, let me tell you, every time when we had... Um, uh, the holographic Rios and they had those couple of shots. And I was like, if we ever remade the princess bride, God, please don't touch it. I'm just saying if we ever, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. He's dead ringer, dead ringer. Oh, he yeah. looked just like he him. really is. Love nice. Nice call out. Yes. But yes, don't remake it, please. Please, so, God, please no. don't. That, well, that movie and has have a special you, place. Have you ever heard Santiago Cabrera's natural accent? I don't think so. He sounds English. Like oh, his, wow. Like yes, his natural yes. accent sounded English. Like I was surprised when I heard him talking because of all the other accents that he did on the show. And without so, facial hair, too, how different he looks. Oh, as well. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more thing that I had on my list. Well, actually, no, two more things, because uh, let's let's just say we have not talked about Guinan much yet. We're getting there. There you go. Take it. Take <laughs> it away. OK. Guinan. Oh, my God. <laughs> Guinan. Ah! Loved it. I was so happy that moment when they were reunited. I mean, it was so real and I felt all the warm fuzzies and all the tears. And of course, you know, I mean, we miss the person who can talk to Picard mm -hmm. straight, straight to the heart, you know, um, straight, no chaser, but like, you know, but soft with love, but firm, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's our girl Guinan. Oh my word. Everything about their scene together was magic. Yeah, and, and I want I like, more of that. I want more of that. No, I, yeah, I, I want. And, and I think, and I think because she's in LA, I am fingers crossed that we are going to see her uh, in subsequent episodes. Yeah, Akiva Goldsman said she was not a one and done, so she will be appearing again this season. Um, but I got, I got to say. Uh, oh, Going going right along with what you were saying to me, uh, um, you know, the the note that I made here was Picard's having his life discussions with Guinan. You know, he always he, when you go back to TNG, he always had mission discussions with Troy and Riker. And last year with Nepenthe, 
that's essentially what he was doing with them. Was he catching up as like family members? Yes. But it was still a mission discussion that they were talking about. Soji was his mission. And sitting down with Guinan, this was the life discussion. This was, you know, about relationships. She was always the one that made him think about the moral side of anything that he was doing or just get into, you know, who Picard really is not, you know, Picard, the man, not Picard, the officer. What's interesting though, Mike, is I almost feel like Laris has had taken that place in his life that Guinan used to have. But now because of his little falling out with Laris, (laughs) the little awkwardness, where else is he going to go? Right. Right. He's got to go back to his, his comfort food. He's got to go back to Guinan to talk about Laris. Right? Yeah, that's Laris. true. He doesn't have Laris anymore. You know, they can't I, I, talk to Laris about Laris. Correct. No, <laughs> but I still felt like, I mean, I the, I still felt like there was a a power dynamic that's at play between Picard and Laris that's not at play with Guinan. Mm. Like Guinan is he? She's never been his subordinate. Right. You know, and, um, you know, the Sci-Fi Sisters, to do another plug, have a show. Uh, one of our shows is about Picard and the sisters. And we talk about, like, um, Alfred Woodard's character. Um, and we talk about Guinan. And, you know, we talk about how these were the women that Picard would listen to on a deep level. Like, you know, um, and and he was and they never worked for him. You know, right. and that's a really important distinction, you know, because. You know, and I think that's another reason why that dynamic between Picard and Laris was a little weird. You know, I mean, like he had to be really careful with that, you know, mm. because there was a power dynamic there. But Guinan straight up his equal, if not more than that. Right. You know, because she is so old and because she's seen so much of the universe of many universes. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he's like, I think it's different. She she uh, strikes me as the universe's life coach, you know. Yeah. She kind of you know she she just gives the advice and and wants to dig into his heart and who he is and and really call him on his BS and uh, yeah. You know, I, I loved everything about that scene. It just felt I I, I would have loved for it to be longer. I would have loved for it to be deeper. Like mm-hmm. I wanted it to go on, and, and I know you know editing and whatnot and writing, but uh, I just wanted to hear more. And and hopefully at some point we'll kind of hear, I mean, we saw glimpses, right? We saw glimpses of life with his mom uh, when they moved to the Chateau. Uh, So, and obviously there's something traumatic there that I'm not sure that I'm exactly comfortable with that creation of a traumatic childhood moment that seems to be uh, shown. but uh, we'll have to see where that goes. But I'm not I'm not sure that creating that was necessary. Uh, but uh, I am I would love to have sat there and just listened into a deep conversation and let her let Guinan take Picard deeper and find out what's really going on here. So I, I hope mm. that we get something like that. I hope that, you know, at some point in this season that we do get Guinan t- uh digging into that and helping him through that so that we can, you know, you know, now I'm, now I'm on board with the, the Laris Picard relationship. So, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get them there. Yeah. I'm aboard the bandwagon, Mike. Yeah. (laughs) 
I was going to say too, you know, you brought up that point of that traumatic event, and you know, something that I had in my notes as well that, you know, I wonder if they're trying to set us up to be where this is what drives him to be alone or drives him to be in Starfleet is that losing that relationship of his mother and that close, you know, that close female character that he had, you know, I don't know if they're trying to kind of, you know, set something up later on, but I, like you, Mike, I was very, it was weird watching that sequence and I felt very confused and unsure of how I really felt about it. I think Patrick Stewart ha- is having a lot of influence on that as far as the writing goes, because we know that uh, he experienced something, at least what seems similar to what they showed in that sequence um, in his own life with his mother and his father and his father being abusive. So that could be where that's coming from, but I guess we'll have to see as the season goes on. I thought it was really intriguing. I actually had that in my notes too, about that, you know, what, what are these flashbacks? What do they pretend? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm really interested to find out, you know, uh, what they mean, you know, because mm-hmm. um, what I thought was so interesting and unsettling about how they did the flashbacks was at one moment you see uh, his mother being victimized. And at the next moment you see her being the victimizer Um um, at least that's how I saw it. At least that's what I think that I saw. Um, but I mean, it was just, um, you know, th- it was clear that there was psychological trauma and issues going on there. So, and I, and I'm really excited to get an, another layer of backstory on the yeah. card. And it looks like that, you know, that greenhouse or whatever that room is that where he spent time with his mother, it looks like he hasn't been there in years. Like, it's almost like that traumatic event happened and he can't face that anymore. Like he's blocked that out of his life and kind of, you know, said, I I can't deal with this anymore. And it's like, he's walking back in to something that's painful um, and a reminder of, of what took place there. And like that, he tries to avoid it at all cost almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the last thing that I had in my notes is that, uh, Last week, last week, <laughs> last year, we had uh, Admiral Clancy, uh, a female Starfleet commander in chief. And uh, this year, I don't think we got a last name for the commander in chief, but he called her Sally. Um, but it was April Grace, who she's actually Trek alumni because she had been in TNG before as a transporter operator. Um, I just thought it was, it was nice that they keep progressing, uh, you know, something that you mentioned a little while ago to me about how he had these, these, uh, you know, Guinan and, um, Alfred Woodward's character. I can't remember her name now, uh, but they were never subordinates of his. And in this case, he's her subordinate, mm-hmm. um, really cool. Um, but I thought it was neat too, how they brought back an alum to play that part too. That is super cool. Mm. There's one other thing I want to cover, Mike. Okay. It was actually my favorite thing in the episode, and I'm amazed that nobody has talked about it up to this point. I hope it's the thing that I wanted to cover, too. Come on, Jamie, hit me. I I bet I know what it is. It's in my notes. It was Q going from young to old. Oh, that was one of them. 
I thought that was my favorite part of the episode. I thought it was executed perfectly. And obviously I'm a big fan of like the Mandalorian and, you know, other shows and how they do this, you know, young to old thing, how it was done, how it looked a plus 10 out of 10. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was done so well and it explained how he looks older so well, like it, it just, to me, it was just awesome. It was, it was actually my favorite part of the whole episode. I agree. They did that well. And I've, you know, I'm a fan of star Wars as well, Jamie. So I've seen all of the iterations of that and how they've done that with Tarkin and, and Leia and, and et cetera. But uh, yeah, that was one of the best, uh, whether it did, was it, whether it was CG or whatever it was, it w- it looked so natural, so real, and uh, it was great. Even like how he snapped his finger, like the sound effect, like it like hit me in the chest. It was yeah. so powerful. Jamie was like, "Encounter a far point. Encounter a far point." <laughs> I agree. That that was beautiful. Can I bring up one more thing? I, I was just gonna say, what was your what was your uh, favorite thing that uh, hasn't been brought up? Well, the thing that hasn't been brought up that I thought was super cool, and I'm sure a lot of people are. I'm sure it's going to be a point of contention. Was the new Borg ship thing? Oh um, yeah. And I thought it was so cool. It's like this deconstructed cube, right? Like what what's the Borg in the in in this time period, you know, with these, whatever, like let's deconstruct it and just make this starburst type thing, you know, like that's constantly looked like it was phasing in and out. And I mean, it was just, I thought that was so cool. And that weird, weird Borg queen, like, mm. you know, she was super scary. <laughs> she was so scary to me. It almost sounded, and I, and I can't believe I'm forgetting her name now. But the Klingon Chancellor from Discovery it almost sounded like her Lorel. voice, Mary Chifo. Yeah, yeah, it almost sounded like Mary Chifo's voice. Uh, I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. I didn't, but I can see that. And see, I, I also thought- wonder what's underneath that skull. Sorry, Mike. Uh, what's no. underneath that? And and I think that I, I'm wondering. My, my well, we're not to predictions yet, but I have a thought about. Uh, almost looked that. like the torchbearer. She almost had the to- the torchbearer. Oh from yeah, Discovery she did. Yeah, like the torchbearer with Laurel talking. I don't know. That's and you saw the gears working <laughs> yeah, as right? she kind of. That was that was an amazing detail. Yeah. I mean, that was I have a, so cool. I have a thought that's progressed over the last week or so. So I'll uh, I'll bring that up as well. I can't believe that Jamie didn't comment on. Picard zero 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 destruct zero that they yeah. still haven't changed the password. Good lord, that that password's <laughs> gonna get hacked. <laughs> I was dying. I was on the floor laughing so hard with that. I was like, "You're kidding me, right?" <laughs> that was great, though. That was a great throwback because you know, do you remember in the first season of Next Gen? They just had to put their hand on the console yep. and say and confirm the auto destruct. Whereas this time they went back to search for Spock and use that right. same destruct code, which they've, they've never actually used that code again in any that I can think mm-hmm. of any other Star Trek. So it was great. These little callbacks that I think were nice little Easter eggs. They really did 
well in this sh- in this mm. and and only only people like like us would would pick up on those like no one else who was jumping on to season two who didn't yeah. really watch a lot of star trek would would pick up on that so but i really really wish that it wasn't like zero 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 you know yeah, like yeah. really like do i mean and, <laughs> come on i i get that we needed a callback but Everything else is so much more advanced. Is this really how we're going to blow up the ship? Right, right. As a bunch of damn zeros? You're kidding me, <laughs> right? <laughs> What's the password? Password is QWERTY. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about it, too, the only two people who have ever used that code are actually our admirals. So it's not like it's a captain's code. I don't know if that that makes any if if anyone's thought if the the writers had thought that through but that's uh the first time it appeared was in let that be your last battlefield in the original series that's where that's yeah, where that's uh search for spock got it from oh excuse me i yeah, sorry bow sorry guys, to, sorry, to guys. Someone's, uh... sorry. <laughs> in, in search for spock though Chekhov had the hardest code oh yeah right uh, his was his was absolutely the hardest to, to me- memorize <laughs> sorry my nerddom knows no bounds <laughs> that, that's a deep cut mike so kudos to you 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 how does it how does it know what time sequence to give though? That that's that's yeah. the part I'm always more. You know, it's 10 minutes in um you know uh season 1 episode, you know, 001 whatever. <laughs> that episode. Binars. Yeah, the binars, binars one. Yeah, the binars. Yeah. Yep. It was 5 one, minutes. One, yeah, it was yeah, yeah it's it was like 5, five minutes, minutes, 10 minutes yeah. or whatever. Star Trek 3 it was like the longest 60 seconds of our life, oh. you know. I mean, they got enough time to leave the bridge, go to the transporter room, transport without, down the, right without working turbo lifts, right? <laughs> the, the Klingons transport the ship, basically walk through the entire ship, <laughs> right? the entire ship. They walk through the entire ship. The ship appears to be deserted. How would you know that unless you walk through the entire ship, get to the bridge and there's still like 10 seconds left. Yeah. And wasn't this one just 10 seconds? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what like, I, I mean. It, and and the Klingons call to Commander Krug. And like <laughs> it's the only thing speaking too. Yeah. It was like, manufactured by the same people who make my washer and dryer, <laughs> where it was on the last minute for literally three minutes. It said one minute. I have that same three one. minutes later. It was still on one minute. Then mm-hmm. it got down to a second. And said one second, and I'm like, okay, I'm standing there ready to take out the laundry. How long do you think that one second lasted? <laughs> it's also it's the same people that manufactured the decks in Star Trek Five as well. Oh same yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we go too far off the rails, we should probably hit fan sets off. <laughs> yeah, too late. <laughs> We'd like to take a moment to talk about Fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Fansets is the home of amazing pin collectibles. 
the quality of the merchandise they put out is second to none. It's not just Star Trek that they offer, as they have something for all different types of fandom, including Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty. As you all know, Fansets releases new pins twice a month, and their March 1st release once again gives us many special new items. The Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Lower Decks title card pins are the latest release to help sections of those franchises have a place on your wall. And for those traveling to Mission Chicago next month, there'll be three special pins released for the event. So keep an eye on fansets.com for those and over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins, including the Delta's Done Right collection, as well as micro crew pins, episode pins, and many other great designs. So go to fansets.com and put a whole bunch of pins into your cart. As a listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fansets by using the code DISCOVERINGTREK at checkout. And remember that you receive free shipping in the U.S. on orders of $30 or more. Fansets. Our pins have character. Now we want to talk about the overall message of the episode, what it potentially teaches us about ourselves or humanity. Um, And let's see, I don't believe that Mike has gone first yet, so we'll let Mike take the lead. So I think this episode really uh, focuses on second chances uh, for almost everyone on the, on the, on the show. Um, Certainly Picard and, and Laris is sort of a second chance at love and, and having a relationship. We have uh, Soji experiencing a, a second chance to, to be a diplomat to, for the synths. Uh, Rios and uh, Rafi rejoin Starfleet after both being sort of unceremoniously kind of exiled from Starfleet. And, um, you know, seven, well, I don't know. I don't know what her second chance is other than having her own ship and being able to continue her mission as a Fenris Ranger. But I I really enjoy, uh, and Girardi too, I guess is my like sort of questionable other than, you know, being absolved of murder, which I think is a a pretty big second chance. Yeah. Not (laughs) exactly, not exactly sure that how I feel about that quite yet. Uh, but, um, but I, you know, I'm glad. I actually liked uh, liked her a lot more in this episode than I have previously. She was uh, she was the same, but also, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just felt differently about her, and maybe it was because all of you convinced me that she was not the worst character from my perspective on season one of Picard. Uh, but I think uh, you know, seeing this really gave me hope this 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 episode and and having a chance to to revisit all the characters you know sometime after the events of season one whether you know whatever the time frame is uh but i I felt like that was sort of the message of this first episode was second chances and i think 
you know, with the with the Borg Queen, I, I'm wondering if we're not going to get another second chance here, and I'll save that for my predictions for for later. That is what we call in the business a tease. <laughs> uh, to be, how about you? Okay, well, I really feel um, the the scene uh, between. Picard and Guinan really encapsulated uh, the theme that struck me the hardest uh, where, you know, Guinan says to him, the only place you've been afraid to explore is in here. Um, What happened in there that you and I have never talked about, you know, when she was pointing like inside Picard. And I, and that struck me because um, that, you know, it's about living an unexamined life. You know, what's life worth living? Uh, for me personally, that look within has been my like saving grace, you know, for the past seven years. And um, the fact that I've had good mentors to help guide me um, into those deep places that I would never talk about to anybody, but it's those deep places that we never talk about that are actually the chains on our spirits. You know, um, it's the, it's the, the things that anchor our fears, um, and our insecurities are all these things that we would never talk about to somebody. And so I was really struck by, uh, that conversation that, with them and how she said, you know, and she thinks there's one final frontier yet to come, you know, that his answers are not in the stars. The answers to most of my problems today really reside within me because these, these incidents that happen when we're young, these moments that happen when we're young really shape how we respond to and deal and handle the world. (laughs) when we're we're older, you know, um, those trigger responses. So, you know, and I love the fact that um, like discovery, this is a personal exploration, but unlike discovery, this is a, they're, they're really showing the person. They're not preaching to me about this personal exploration. They're, they're really showing the work being done. And um, it's, and, and so I can really relate to that because it's hard work. It's not easy work to look within. It's not easy to face uh, those things that, um, that we don't want to touch, you know, there's really sore places, you know? Um, So that's what I love. That's what I loved about uh, this episode. That's what I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, seeing more of that exploration in the future, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. Jamie. I'm going to go completely opposite to everybody here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that this episode had a lot to do with loss and being alone. Um, I think that um, those were kind of two themes that were really, you know, put to the forefront in this episode. We look at Raffi and seven, not together loss being alone, you know, Rios and Girardi Picard with Laris Picard with his mother, even Picard with Guinan to a certain extent, they, they really hadn't, been together for a while it appeared you know until they kind of rekindled larish and jaban you know the loss that took place there um there was a lot of coping with loss and you know discovering what it means to be alone 
And, you know, I feel like, especially how the, the episode ended with Picard feeling very alone um, in a strange place in his house, but really not with anything that's familiar to him with Laris not being there. And um, I feel like that's a really, these are going to be themes that are kind of explored throughout this season. Wow. You guys are all making me feel like mine is minor and insignificant. (laughs) So, uh, so I thought that uh, one of the main messages here was time and the passing of it. Um, We hear um, card and Laris talking about how they're too old to deal with certain things Guinan makes the comment about her age and um, Picard's age and even Q when he makes his appearance comments about Picard's age. And I, I, th- I thought, and I feel like a lot of this season is going to deal with making the best use of the time that we have at hand. Um, we think of Picard last season and, you know, he was doing his best to finish that last mission or what he thought was going to be the last mission before he died. Um, and it happened, but then, you know, going to Mike's point, he got a second chance on it. Um, so, uh, in this case, just making the best use of the time that he now has at his disposal, but then that going for all of the characters as well. And we're going to have to see how it plays out, especially with the, uh, with the oddity that popped up there at the, at the end of the episode. Starfleet command is proud to present you the Christopher Pike medal of honor. So now we'll move on to our medals, our awards section. Uh, so here we can give out our pretend awards and, make it seem like uh, we have some kind of influence over things. So anything from this episode that we felt was worthy of an award. And uh, I think I'm the last one to take, to go first on one of these. So I'm going to take this one. So my first one, um, we talked a lot about the stargazer and some of these ships and everything. So set decorator, Timothy Stepnik, uh, I had to do some thorough browsing of the credits to find that. Um, nice, but, nice work. <laughs> but we, but we saw, man. I mean, some awesome sets there, and we know that they have that that virtual reality wall in Toronto. I don't know that they have that in LA, so I think a lot of this is actual sets that they're working on right now. Um, something that we didn't talk about the new Starfleet uniforms. I had to give a shout out to wardrobe on that. Uh, Mitchell Ray Kenny, the wardrobe supervisor. I don't know if he designed those, but man, I love the combination of what seems like the movie era uniforms and the next generation slash Voyager slash deep space nine uniforms. Uh, just a very neat mashup to uh, get the uh, get us old school Trekkies our uh, blood flowing, and then finally, I mean, we talked a lot uh, how much we like this episode. Uh, writers and direction, we talked, we mentioned their names earlier. 
uh, Terry, Akiva, and Doug, uh, they did a phenomenal job with this episode, uh, getting the season off to a great starting point. Like, I thought you could only do like a maximum of three. That sounded like about 17 awards <laughs> you gave out. Well, I gave I think he stole um, all of ours as well. So yeah, my, what, what, other, what other awards are we going to get? This is my the last, last time you go first for the awards. My session. last one was a combination <laughs> award. And, and then you make me feel like I didn't do any research because I don't know any of these people's names behind the scenes. That <laughs> yeah. hey, all up, these up, things. up until five minutes before we started recording, I didn't either. <laughs> all right, Big Mouth Jamie, why don't you go next? Oh, now I'm a big mouth. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go with the special effects department. I don't know any people specifically involved because I'm not Mike Bovia. So I, I, the special effects department and purely based on the whole Q sequence, I, I, I cannot t- say enough how much I love that sequence. Um, and that's going to lead me right into my second award, which is the sound department. The, how, the sound effects in this episode um, from the ships, the explosions, it, it, to me, it was so powerful and, and just really brought this episode to life. So that would be my number two. And I'm going to give a shout out to Jeff Russo. Um, I really like how he redid the opening credits, um, the music, how it was the same, but there were some subtle differences that to me just really you know, pronounced what the theme of this season is going to be. So I, I, I give Jeff Russo a lot of credit. You know, I, I, I'm very, very cognizant of the music and I think he did a nice job updating the uh, theme music. Can I say along those lines too, I like that we're getting the use of songs, like actual, like lyrical songs uh, in this. Like I thought that was a great lead in at uh, the Chateau. Uh I can't remember the name of the song, but I was singing along. Time is on your side. Yes. Yep. Loved it. All right, Tamia, you're unmuted. So why don't you go next? Okay. So, I mean, my, my awards this week just go to all the actors. Um, I thought there were such strong performances. And first I'd like, it started with me being like, okay, Sir Pat, of course, because he was just bringing it. And then I was like, well, Orla, because she was staying a toe to toe with him and she brought it. And then, you know, every actor that I kept here that I encountered on that screen really was bringing their a game. But I think uh, my highlights it's so hard to have it's okay so it's sir pat it's orla it's whoopie and it's john delancey those are my friends and and jerry ryan is shooting right underneath there because man she was fierce you know but uh john delancey and sir pat together in that scene was just so riveting and the the myriad of emotions and little minute muscle movements in John Delancey's face. Uh, You know, just, I mean, it was just amazing to watch them too. And the, the level of vehemence when Sir Pat was like, you know, God damned Q, you know, I mean, oh my God, it blew me back on my seat. You know, I mean, it was just a a thing of beauty to watch these people work. um, These two great masters. So that's my, my awards for the week. 
love it. Yeah, they were they were awesome together. It was like they had never stopped acting acting together. Exactly. Exactly. And Mike, if I took your some of yours, you can double up. <laughs> well, I I have to say that I and this is something I comment on uh, Discovery a lot. So this is why uh, I'm going to give this award. I think the the writing by Akiva and Terry for this episode was amazing, and uh, it was a type of writing that I appreciate where. It's not ex- just exposition. It's actual character development, and, and in a way that makes sense. It's not, it's not shoehorned in, uh, and I really appreciate that. It felt very authentic. We get to see the characters. I felt like they had grown, but they were still the same. And uh, I think that 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 comes down to the writing initially. Obviously, you know, I agree with Tamia that the actors were phenomenal. And, and I want to give a shout out to for so definitely Akiva and Terry. Uh, also, I mean, I, I have to give it up for uh, both uh, Orla and Whoopi. I mean, just two phenomenal women actors who uh, really bring it in this episode and really, uh, you know, I, th- I think we can all agree that Sir Patrick Stewart is one of the, one of the top actors in in the world, and to go toe to toe with someone who's been acting all his life, like literally his career spans sixty plus years. He's been doing this since he was a teenager, uh, so seventy years, you know. So it's just um, to see these two women just play off of him in a way that felt authentic, that felt, you felt the emotion, uh, you felt the connection. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that really means a lot to me in these, these nearly post COVID times where connection is important and, in, uh, you know, being able to, to realize that again in person. Uh, so I really want to give a shout out to the two of them uh, as well. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with Jamie on, uh, Jeff Russo, but I, I, I did love the theme, but I also, there was a lot of subtle music in this episode that really was reminiscent of, of previous track specifically. It gave me a lot of next gen vibes and it, and I, maybe that's because of Q, maybe that's because of Guinan, Maybe that's because of the stargazer. I don't know, but I was really listening and picking up on some some music, some undertones of, of next gen vibe music that was really creating a great atmosphere for me personally. I just really enjoyed that, and it, it got me more into the episodes because honestly, I think that uh, you know part of growing up with with next gen and deep space nine and, and all of that was the soundtracks. I loved the soundtracks. I had all of them. I probably still have all of them in stores somewhere. And, uh, this was the first time where I felt like I was hearing more of that kind of music. Uh, and it really, uh, pulled me into the episode. So definitely Jeffrey. So for, for a slightly different reason, I do like the theme. I, I actually like it a lot better than the first season's theme. But the first season theme is certainly in in that as well. So those are my three. You know, I just both, you know, Mike, you and Tamia talked about Whoopi 
And it was funny as you were talking about Whoopi and, and how, you know, Patrick Stewart has been doing this for 70 years. You know, I was thinking to myself, well, well, Whoopi's been doing it for a long time too. But if you really think about it, she's gotten away from acting the last Mm. several years. She really hasn't been doing it. So for her to come right back into that role and step right back in and go toe to toe with one of our generation's greatest actors of all time, to me, really, when you were talking about it and you to me as well, really hit home for me that like, wow, yes, this is someone who's been acting for a long time, but she really hasn't been doing it of late. You know, she had gotten away from it and for her to just kick it right back into high gear and go right back up to level 10 and stand toe to toe with him and chew scenery with Sir Patrick Stewart um, is just something that it, it really, really hit home for me and resonated. That's a great point, Jamie. I hadn't thought about that. Library computer data being received. So we're going to start a new tradition here at Discovering Trek with our prediction section. Uh, We've mentioned in the past, they can be as crazy as you want, as long as you can back it up with the reasons why. And since she hates to do predictions, we're going to let Tamia go first. That way, nobody takes whatever she might have. Oh, great. (laughs) I thought you were going to get a quick download from Sabrina before recording. She's cruising, man. She didn't give me my download. She didn't give me my download. I don't know. Well, I I really, oh gosh, I hate, I hate predictions. Okay. Look, it's, it's going to sound silly, but, um, and we've kind of alluded to it already, but that moment between Laris and Picard in the very beginning, where it was almost, where they were almost, and he pulled back. I just think that that is uh, the moment that the entire rest of the season hinges upon. So that's as much of a prediction as I've got for you guys. Discuss amongst yourselves. No, I like that. I like it (laughs) too. Great job. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) <laughs> Mike, why don't you go next? I, I think my only prediction is that, and I've alluded to it, is that the Borg queen that comes on the Stargazer is actually going to be his mom. And I think I think that the, the look up is the key there. Um, and I, I'm, I don't know how we're going to get there. First of all, I have no clue how we're going to get there, but I feel like, and that's what I, you know, once I went back and watched it the second time, I'm like, those gears are like, she needed power to unlock whatever she, whatever cocoon she was in, whether it was a, something to bridge the interdimensions, I don't know. But um, all of that being said, I think that when she said, uh, you know, a millisecond before the ship blew up, look up uh, and he just like stunned there i don't even think he necessarily will remember that or hears that or or even i mean obviously he's in a different timeline um but uh i that's my prediction is that that somehow is going to be his mom and i'm i'm hoping that it's going to be a worthwhile reveal for that because i'm not I, i again i'm really not on board with creating some trauma in picard's past just to justify him being someone who 
especially the scene the 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 quick one second where she's being dragged away i think that's also where that really weirded me out um you know what what happened there and 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 gosh that has feels for first contact uh seeing all the you know the crew being pulled away that way through the door and even uh what was it picard or was it data who was pulled data was pulled away underneath the, yeah so um that's my prediction i just hope it's a worthwhile venture to get there and not something that's kind of really manufactured in a way that doesn't feel authentic and doesn't feel real to what we know of jean-luc picard thanks mike jamie did he steal your thought i here i thought i was gonna have the mic drop like this crazy off the wall prediction. Oh, I'm sorry, Jamie. About the Borg Queen being Picard's mother and totally foiled. Totally foiled. But I, you know, I'm I'm right on board with you. And I think there's too many, you know, but there's a part of me that almost think that that's the obvious, that that's the obvious thing that we're supposed to think. Well, he had this traumatic event that happened in his life, and she was dragged away and you know, this is, it, it's all going to be connected. So I'm not really sure how to feel. And there's all, there's also a part of me that's like, well, at one point he was locutus. So wouldn't he have known that his mother was a Borg, but we don't know what this whole time thing, what's going on with all that. But the, you know, I, I do want to highlight a couple of things though, in, in regards to that, that I, I do think that they're going to really accentuate that point of this traumatic event being the thing that pushed him to go to Starfleet, pushed him to want to be alone, um, pushed him in that direction. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I really think that they're going to somehow weave this, that that this is Picard's mom because she was making that same reference. But you know, there's some interesting things though, too, that happened. The Borg Queen not killing any of the the security officers. That was something that I kind of picked up on too. That kind of let me to think that maybe it's his mother or somebody that knows him from his past. Who else would call out to Picard specifically and try to bridge that gap? Um, but there's also, I'm also wondering the whole thing about Q too. end of the road, not taken. What does that mean? You know, that's, that's really what I'm going to be trying to kind of, kind of figure out um figure out throughout this season and i really wonder if to your point to mia if that phrase that q talks about is him not taking that step with laris you know and, and how you said that first scene really is the whole season's going to hinge on that i i firmly believe that as well that that might be what q is alluding to or the fact that he's chosen to stay alone and not be with somebody those might be things that are hinging but i do think at the end he's going to end up with laris in the last episode that they're going to be together and all that happy horse stuff hey hey, man before uh, hey guys real quick before we leave the board queen um sort of uh questioning on that on the deck there i'm sorry i'm so late with this on the deck when rios was like stop shooting stop shooting stop shooting and nobody stopped shooting yeah like i'm like weird. what does the yeah. captain have no control over his 
ship. Nobody respects okay. his authority. No, apparently. nobody. That was the craziest thing to me. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. So I have some board queen theories that I can't back up yet. So I'm going to save them for future episodes. I have some thoughts, but I, I have no basis in anything that we've seen so far. So I'm going to go with the uh, obvious uh, part is that, uh, you know, we're, we've now been dumped by Q into some type of alternate reality. We don't know quite what yet. Um, it doesn't seem like it's a mirror universe, although Delancey has a goatee. So, you know, maybe it could be, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's a mirror universe, uh, but it's obviously not the same uh, cards walking around, looking for things, calling for Laris, and he can't, he can't find anything that would normally be in its place. Um, that, that greenhouse area, all the windows are blown out of it. So something is not right something seems different we're gonna have to see what it is i mean he's got the different uh the different badge on his on his shirt so that's obviously something different but uh yeah i'm i'm taking the punt this week and going with the easy one so speaking of next week to me what do we have to look forward to in episode two so much to look forward to in episode two. Um, Q explains to Picard exactly what's happened and where he is. Now he needs to catch up with the rest of his team so they can plan their next move. Episode two is entitled Penance, and we'll be covering it here for you on Discovering Trek Picard. And don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other awesome perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks podcast network, beam over to patreon.com slash Trek Geeks, where subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to discovering Trek, there is the original Trek Geeks, Rewind, Politrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Drawn to Trek, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. You can find all of these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen, or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Star Trek like we do. We know that we have a lot to look forward to this year with Q messing around with things and how's everyone going to work to put it all back? How does time travel work into all of this as we've seen in the, in the trailers this year? Well, we'll have to keep watching to find out and make sure to do so by spending time with us each week as we break down each episode to close. Here's a quote from Jean-Luc Picard in generations. Time is a companion who goes with us on the journey and reminds us to cherish every moment because they'll never come again. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. 
Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.